Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HR Works COVID-19 update. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. A few weeks ago, we began discussing some of the challenges that immigrant workers in the United States are facing due to the pandemic. Today, we're going to continue that discussion with Jonathan Petz, who's the co-founder of a nonprofit organization called Immigrants Like Us. He can help give employers an understanding of some of the employment law issues uh, surrounding a very specific topic. We're going to talk about DACA today. Uh, Jonathan is the proud husband and son of American immigrants. Prior to co-founding Immigrants Like Us, Jonathan practiced at two international law firms and graduated from both law school and college at the University of Pennsylvania. He has served as an advisor on the international law to both the IMF and the World Bank. In 2017, Jonathan was recognized by Fast Case as one of the 50 most innovative leaders in the legal profession. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming back and joining us today. Thanks for having me back, Jim. It's great to be here with you. Absolutely. Uh, first, why don't we just sort of give an overview of what DACA is and who the DACA recipients are? Absolutely. So before 2012, young undocumented immigrants were brought to the U.S. as children, uh, commonly known as dreamers. They faced really big obstacles in becoming adults. So they lacked legal permission to work in the U.S. They had no access to student loans or educational aid, and they had to deal with the constant threat of deportation. And so to address this problem in 2012, President Obama created the DACA program. And DACA gave these young immigrants the opportunity to get renewable two-year work permits if they went through an application process and were approved. And to this point, approximately 700,000 DREAMers have received DACA, and 90% of them are employed. And it's been a, a great thing in many ways. There's been a lot of academic research that's shown that DACA has not only increased the wages and employment status of eligible immigrants, uh, improved mental health outcomes for DACA participants, and their families, uh, but it's also generated an estimated $1.7 billion in taxes for our economy, their employment. So that's what DACA is. Should I uh, dig into the Supreme Court decision, Jim? That was going to be my next question. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about the decision itself and maybe some of the implications of it. Sure. So the Supreme Court recently decided the, was set to decide the constitutionality of, of the DACA program. President Trump in, in 2017 uh, terminated DACA as, uh, as part of his anti-immigrant stance. So he, he terminated the DACA program and it's been in litigation ever since. And the Supreme Court, which was widely expected to, to strike down DACA, actually held that President Trump's effort to terminate DACA was illegal on procedural grounds. So even though the president had the ability to terminate the DACA program, the set of procedural requirements to do that under the Administrative Procedure Act were not complied with. So this was a huge surprise for, for folks following the court, uh, for dreamers who, who have DACA, many of them 
um, you know, in, in total fear of the future and having to leave the only country that they knew uh, that they know as home. And, um, and it means the decision means two things. Um, first, for folks who, who currently have DACA, uh, they can, uh, if they're eligible to, to apply for, for two more years, once their current DACA status is over. And that is really exciting because there was a, a big fear of having to be you know, deported almost uh, immediately. So that's a huge win. Um, for potential DACA recipients, these are people that didn't apply for DACA in the past before the program is terminated, but are, are eligible, meet the, the criteria. Uh, they should be able to apply in the very near future once the Department of Homeland Security reopens the initial application process. So in summary, there's a whole lot of folks who are entitled to keep working. And then there's a, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of per perhaps more folks who now are going to be able to apply to get work authorization who, who didn't have it. Yeah. And I'm going to help um, root this in HR perspective, just as a, a matter of numbers. Sure. So 700,000 DACA recipients right now that are working, you meant, you said, or 90% of them are yeah, working? Yeah, 90 something plus percent. So it represents about half a percent of the total workforce uh, in the United States. And if you're talking about another uh, million, perhaps DACA recipients, you know, we're going up to one point, about 1.5 I'm not a mathematician. I just Googled all the numbers. But, you know, like so somewhere between one and two percent, uh, which is not insignificant. And that does mean that um, just on average, you know, any employer that has 100 workers will have to will have to deal with this particular type of worker. Um, so it's, you know, just really valuable for for HR to be aware. And in some cases, there'll be concentrations, of course, uh, where you have many more uh, DACA recipients working for you. So it's just something that really needs to be understood. And then, you know, what a what a, a world that that those people have been through, you know, recently. I, I know that they had to check in uh, people that when DACA was suspended, people had to still check in with um, ICE. Right. To make sure that they to see what would happen, really. Basically, each check in was like, maybe maybe you get deported to a country that you've very, pretty much never yeah. been to, except for when you were a baby. That's a lot of stress, a, a lot of anxiety, you know, and uh, and it, just because the Supreme Court decision has been made at this point, that doesn't mean it's over. Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, in, in fact, um, President Trump has announced his his intention to to re-terminate the DACA program. So there's some procedural obstacles that he's going to have to cross in order to do that. But um, what that really means is if you have employees who are DACA recipients, um, you really need to encourage them to renew quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding is that, I don't know if we want to get in the weeds with this a little bit, but my understanding is that the Supreme Court decided he didn't have a good enough reason to suspend the program. Is that right? Yes, that that is that is right. I would characterize it a little bit differently. He he hadn't clearly explained his reasoning enough. So the Supreme Court didn't say that the terminating docket doesn't make sense. You can't do it. Well, what they said is, in order to do it, you need to provide a better reasoning, mm. essentially. This reminds us all, of course, of the travel bans. There were 
I think three travel bans that didn't didn't meet the the legal requirements to be considered before they finally the Trump administration finally got the language down well enough for it to be passed. It seems like they're going to just keep trying. That's yeah, that's a great analogy. Um, that is that is a great analogy. I mean, what there's been a lot of commentary on online about how the, the president really wants to uh, appeal to his base with this upcoming election and um, cracking down on, on DACA by re-rescinding it is a, would be a, a very uh, public way to do that. And so it's, it really brings home the point that there is an opportunity right now for DACA recipients. There may not be in the future. And so it's really important for employers uh, to encourage their employees who, who are DACA recipients to, to renew as soon as possible. And our nonprofit, um, Immigrants Like Us, is uh, here to support you with that. We provide a free online uh, renewal service for, for DACA recipients. And you can, you can definitely find us at uh, immigrantslikeus.org. There's also uh, informedimmigrant.com, which has a lot of online resources, how-to information, answers to frequently asked questions about the DACA process. And that's another great resource. Yeah, I imagine, and help me understand this a little bit, that there's probably some um, compliance concerns around identifying people that are DACA recipients, or would employers already know know that? You know, I'm, I'm not sure of the answer to that question. I mean, the, the, a DACA recipient will have a work authorization document, a work permit, I mean, I know that in many cases, employers do have insight into DACA recipient status. I'm, I'm not sure if that's legally required or, or if it's just other information. It just seems like, you know, you don't want to start if if you're, you know, trying to help your DACA recipient employees. And, you know, you just have to be careful about how you approach the situation. So you're not just sort of, you know, segregating your Hispanic workforce, assuming that yes. they're DACA employees and saying, you know, uh, let's. Are you a DACA recipient? Let's talk about it. You know, you just have to be very careful about how you approach that. Yeah, that's that's a great point. So, you know, and these people that are in this situation uh, clearly need support. Um, let's talk about some of the ways that uh, HR and employers can support them. Sure. So uh, one, one option is funding filing fees for DACA recipient employees who are eligible. It's a it's a $495 filing fee to renew DACA status, which is uh, not immaterial for, for many folks in this pandemic era where um, financial resources are so scarce. Um, so filing, paying for filing fees uh, is something that uh, many employers are doing and is uh, commendable. Um, another thing is uh, if, if you have a in-house attorney or um, any uh, attorney, immigration attorney that, that you can trust to provide uh, advice to, to folks who are going through this, many DACA recipients, is, the, the percentages vary, but, but probably over 10% of DACA recipients um, actually qualify for permanent immigration status, like a, a family-based immigration application. Uh, but have not applied. And so giving them that advice is, is really valuable. In addition, getting politically active. So there are upcoming letters to Congress, which will call for them not to touch DACA again, em, employer-based 
letters and you can sign on to those letters. Um, if you have contacts with Senate Republicans, your uh, community, you should reach out to them and, and urge them to leave DACA alone, not to support efforts to, to rescind it, because that is um, really important. Um, and then you can do a lot to highlight your company's support of DACA and of Dreamers uh, online. Um, so you, you have a company blog, you have social media accounts, and you can film uh, videos of company leadership speaking mm. about your company's support of DACA recipients and, and how you uh, stand with them. And that type of leadership, I think, uh, not only feels goes a long way with your DACA recipient employees, um, but also all of your employees who will notice that, that you're really looking out for the folks at your company who are in, in the hardest spot in, in these pandemic times. Those are great suggestions. Um, you know, it's just important to remember, and I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think it's something that gets lost is that by any other metric, these people are Americans. You know, they right. they speak English. They uh, have been here for as long as they can remember in most cases, um, or in some cases for as long as matters. You know, their friends are here, their family are here, they went to school here, they worked here, they pay taxes in the community. They, you know, these are the people that are just like everybody else and they have absolutely every right to be here. You know, it's not their, their fault that whatever was happening in their home country happened that caused their parents to leave uh, and come to the United States with them. You know, they had no agency. And that's always been that argument on the other side is like, well, they don't have to come here, right? Um, when you hear people that are anti-immigrants speak, you know, uh, that's what they're always saying is like they had a choice. They could go to another country, you know, um, those are some of the more reasonable arguments that they make. I should put it, I should put it that way, you know, and in this case, these people didn't have that choice. You didn't, when you're going to be a six year old and say, no, mom, we can't go to the United States because, because we, you know, we'll be illegal immigrants and one day someone might take away my future. You know, it's like, uh, just, it's really important for everyone to remember that, that these people are in a very delicate position because of the machinations of fate, not because of any of their own decision-making and we should support them as best as we can. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really powerful statement. Nobody when they're two is planning life decisions. Should, should I stay here? Should I go someplace else? It's really true that, that dreamers, or DACA recipients really do lack agency. And that is a, a really important point for employers to, to remember and, and not being judgmental and um, in supporting folks during this tough time. Uh, Jonathan, thank you again so much for coming back and speaking to us with about this. Yeah, thanks again for having me, Jim. This is such an important issue for HR professionals and for our country as a whole. So I'm really delighted to be able to talk to you and, and your audience about it absolutely uh, it's a pleasure listeners 
Please check back next week for the next episode of HR Works COVID-19 update. You can always follow us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. Um, if you have any questions that you might want answered on air, please let us know. You can email me at jdavis at blr.com. And uh, we'll see if we can get that done for you. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.